And now on the Business Radio X Network, another exciting episode with Jamie Overdurf in Connecting Tucson with Jamie. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Connecting Tucson with Jamie. And no, I'm not Jamie Overdurf. This time and with this episode, we're going to be featuring the host herself, Jamie Overturf. Hello, young lady. <laughs> You're normally not this quiet when you start, <laughs> are you? We thought we'd do a little bit of... I mean, you've been doing such a wonderful job, Jamie, with your show that I thought you wouldn't mind if you shared with us why do you think you've been so successful. I mean, you're only a relatively new independent farmer's agent, but as a host on the Business Radio Network without any broadcasting experience in your past history that I know of anyway, correct? Secretly, maybe. Uh (laughs) Seriously, why? For anybody listening now that maybe had contemplated themselves wanting to do this, what is it, do you think, somebody like yourself with no experience whatsoever has had this success that you've had? Hmm, that is a wonderful question. I think it's not just one thing that I've done that helps me be successful in it. You can't just do one thing and then poof, it's a magic item that happens. Um, Specifically, I think a couple of the things that I've done that helped me be so successful here is, A, I took your advice. (laughs) That's always important. Listen to others with more experience and then put it into action. Um, I've placed it on my social media sites. I talk to all of my clients about my podcast. I let people ask questions about my podcast after the podcast Mm. and I send them to the people that were on and they have a chance to interact with the people that listened or downloaded and then they get to see, oh, somebody, they actually heard the podcast. I think that's another thing that's there. Yeah. Um, I, it's just doing that, being consistent with it, uh, working with, with you on some of the directions that we're going and just really focusing in. I think that's it. Listen to the others that have done well. Do it. Don't just say you're going to do it. You have to put things into action. You have to have your plan. And I think that's part of what's made me successful. That and I'm very outgoing. I'm not shy to say hi. No, no, you're not shy. <laughs> but that's great. But it is so, so pleasing to hear it because throughout the network of the broadcasting uh, radio network, you know, the business radio network uh, across America, uh, there's a lot of new people coming into the industry with their businesses because uh, if you have uh, tuned in for the first time, this is what we do we support business in their local market and we care about business to make sure that they can really get their story out about who they are what they do and what they do for their community because really that's what it's all about and this jamie Overturf young lady well she took it uh, like the bull by the horns and that's why she has been so successful how do we judge success in this business well i would think with all the new clients that you've told us about that have come on board with you all the new associations that you've made and you have fun doing what you do and you share your fun your podcast and your guests, because you have some terrific guests that you've had on your shows, uh, and you share them with uh, your current clients, potential clients maybe that you've got uh, on a list that you'd like to see come on board and so on. So that's excellent to hear. And thanks for sharing that with us, because I'll indeed share it with the others. Where did um, Jamie Overturf grow up? Where did you first get your look at the world? Um all over the U.S. I moved quite a bit. Uh, I've lived in multiple places, um, Maine, South Carolina, Pennsylvania for a little bit, Illinois, Missouri, the list goes on. So I lived mainly on the East Coast for a very long time, I Mm -hmm. think. 
the longest place that I stayed in my childhood was either going to be Illinois or Maine. Um, that's kind of where I got my first look at the world. I love lobster, so that's probably the Maina in me. Um, every once in a while you get me upset, my northern accent comes out. <laughs> it's You say ka, Melissa, those types of things. Okay, yeah. <laughs> This is it about America. People, you know, rib me about my accent, but I've got to tell you, there's 50 odd states and there's 50 different accents. I'll tell you that. Every state has a different <laughs> accent. It's so funny. So, yeah, it's I think the hardest thing when I moved from Maine to back to Illinois, I couldn't get the concept of people always said, do you want to come with? And I'm like, with what? With where? What? <laughs> I had to ask follow-up questions. Right. And I finally got the terminology. Was, hey, you want to come with me? I'm like, okay. Like, didn't finish the sentence, but okay, we can go with that. <laughs> well, when, you, when you're talking about all this moving, one tends to think that you're a, uh, an Air Force brat or an Army brat or something. Or they call it a military brat, right? Yeah, military brat. I am not a military brat. My dad, um, actually a wonderful, wonderful man, happened to just become a lot of different things for different companies. He worked for L.L. Bean. He worked for Gander Mountain, Bass Pro Shops in the hunting and sporting industry, magazine sectors and those retail sectors, Bass Pro Shop. Um, so those are the ones where he just kept moving and, you know, moving up and moving up. And, mm-hmm. we and they're just all over in. America. They're all over America. And he, right. would, he would head to their headquarters. So obviously Bass Pro Shops in Springfield, Missouri. L.L. Bean is in Maine. Um, Gander Mountain, I believe, is in Wisconsin, which is when we moved back to Illinois. Um, there's a lot of different ones that were out there. So we just kind of moved with him, and we picked up. And I had to, me along with my brother and my mother, had to learn quickly how to make friends, where that's why I'm not very shy. Mm-hmm. Um, just go out there and be who you are. Put yourself out there, and if they don't like you, you have to say, like, okay, well, that one doesn't like <laughs> me. Let's go over you. And <laughs> Do you like me? Right. <laughs> and then just... Take it from there. I think that's what's made me who I am, pretty much. Yeah, everybody has a story, don't they? Yes, I mean, they do. Uh, everybody grows up differently. Let's talk about school. Uh, was there a sport that uh, Jamie was in love with that took over your life, uh, or were you a uh, a bookhound and a studier? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, all the way through high school, I was on a roll, straight A student. Um, I loved school. I was one of those weird geeks, but I was also the cheerleader, the dancer, the softball player, and the track star. Wow. So I did a lot of athletics, and then I also made sure that my studies were there. I don't think my parents had too much to worry about when I was growing up through high school. It's when I went off to college where that kind of, hey, I'm going to spread my wings type situation happened, but... Um, I loved school. I still love school. I, I still have my old chemistry books I found out recently. What, what were your favorite topics or subjects, I should say? I liked chemistry, um, reading. I loved reading. I probably read a book a week. Um, wow. Everybody else was going out partying. And you're re- <laughs> I mean, how did you do that? <laughs> it was just I just loved to, to read. I loved to put myself into somebody else's situation, seeing how maybe would I react differently, would I not react differently. Um, just kind of took me away instead of watching TV. I wasn't really into a lot of TV watching or video games like my friends were, so mm-hmm. I kind of put a hamper on it. But well, Good on you to be straight A's. Wow, I mean, that's not a bad event. Do you think it's changed dramatically these days for children as far as school and the study and the workload that they've got? I can 
absolutely say yes, only because of Brandon, who is in high school right now. Um, this is your little boy. Yeah, the, the amount of work that they have is crazy. But I love the fact that they don't really have like the book books. They, they use their Chromebook. It's a computer. So everything's online for them to go on. Wow. The teachers send out daily emails and here's your task for tonight. I get notified. This is his homework for tonight. Like, okay, so I get to go home. Like, did you do X, Y, and Z? And then I can actually help him study if need be. But the study load, I think, is about the same. It's just applied differently where we had to mm. go in and do the encyclopedias. I don't think any... I, I still have an old well, we encyclopedia. Still, you know, we, we had papers. We used to bring home Marax or Baxax, uh, yeah. backpacks full of, uh, of heavy-duty things. I mean, have of heavy, heavy books, heavy loads of paper. Just write because you had to write everything down. Nothing was just handed to you in a Chromebook that you can go home and study because we didn't have that technology back when I was mm. um, obviously in high school. But it, it does help. I think it also teaches children to adapt because now they're adapting to the computer age. They're getting all of that technology and usefulness. So when they do go out into the world, they've already had the experience with the computers. You know, us in my age, your right. age, we've had to really well, yeah. quite focus. Like, how does this thing work? What am I, what am I trying to sync? What's no. the cloud? What is this? <laughs> can, I, can I just ask you, what's a computer? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. But yeah, my, my son's sitting there. It's like, no, just do this. He takes it from me and he's like, Pfft. I'm like, okay. Uh, but, but are they allowed to use, um, you know, um, adding stuff in the computer, the uh, subtractions and, and, and all of that. They're allowed to do that. We had to do it in our, in our darn heads, for heaven's sake. No, I had to write all of my stuff out. That's the thing. Nowadays, when you're doing some of the, it depends on the school, I think. Nowadays, you have to know the, the equation, especially if you're like in geometry or um, chemistry, trigonometry. You have to know the equation and be able to put the equation correct and enter it into the, the calculator and you get your answer. Me, I remember having to every single step write it out, what it broke down to, how to, you know, equalize each side of the equation and show my work. Mm. They don't technically have to do that as much, I think, right now. I think it's because everything is so computerized that they're like, okay, I just need to know the equation. And it pops out. Well done. I'm like, oh, man. Interesting. <laughs> I was kind of sad when that happened. I was like, wait, I was doing all of the work, and Brandon yeah. just like popped in, and he's like, this is the answer. I'm like, okay, but how did you get to it? He's like, I don't have to show the work. I just have to show that I know how to put the equation. I don't I'm know like, if that's a good what? thing. Is that a good thing? I don't think so. How does it exercise their minds? How I, does it train I, them? I don't know, but I, I was sitting there doing the longhand, and he was doing like the quick shorthand. I'm like, oh, it's <laughs> kind of sad. Interesting. Sniff, sniff. But you're on the Business Radio X Network, and uh, the interview is with Jamie Overturf, who is the host of a, an episode series called Connecting Tucson with Jamie, where she has fabulous guests on on her uh, monthly podcast, and you should tune in sometime and listen to it. Today, we've taken her out solo to find out more about her and what makes her tick. She's a pretty popular girl around Tucson. So we've got to find out what makes her so popular. What was your first job? What did you do when you left school? I didn't. Well, my first job was actually in school. I was a high school student. I just turned sophomore and I worked the morning shift at McDonald's. So I would go get up at like three o'clock in the morning, head to McDonald's at 4 a.m., go from four until around eight because school started at 830 at that time. 
went into school, did all my schoolwork, stayed after school for my athletics, and then went home and studied, and then well, did it see, all again. See, that's dedication. <laughs> How many kids do you got? Well, there's a few today, in all fairness to them, there are some that do that, but not many. No, I think I have a, Brittany, my office manager, says I have a workaholic type A personality. Um, I probably get that from the young age where my parents instilled into me, you have to work for what you want, mm-hmm. and you just have to stick stick your neck out and go for it. So. Oh, that was good uh, good advice, wasn't it? Uh, I, I, if they're listening, yes. Yeah, you're their pride and joy. Come on. <laughs> so, uh, your first job, though, when you left school, what, what did you go into? Left school? Come on, you're still young. It's not that far back. Well, I'm trying to, um, well, do you mean high school or left college? <laughs> left, I should say, okay, I'll rephrase it. When you left college and finished with study, okay. what was the, your first entry into the world of business? Well, the first entry into the world of business, I sorry to say, is not too, too, um, I guess, dramatic. But I did, I, I worked in the restaurant industry. I actually ran several restaurants. I worked for several chains from Darden Groups to... Um, uh, the Applebee's concepts. Cool. Uh, yeah. So. But you, you didn't come straight out of college, though, and manage restaurants. Didn't you start learning the trade? Or Nope. I actually, um, with my de- I had a, a degree in management, um, so that was something where I ah, went in as a management very good. trainee. Okay. With that, they So they you come you in as a trainee management yep. then, and then you, you sit on. Okay. But you still have to learn the game, don't you? I still had to learn their systems, yeah. Their systems, so, okay. I just worked my way up from management trainee to, you know, where I was actually doing, running several stores. Um, I'd actually open up several concepts where I would start from scratch, where I would come in and I'd hire all of the managers. I'd hire all of the employees. We'd train them all for the first three weeks and then we're like, bye. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I've done that. I think that was probably, um, it was good. I did not like the hours. The pay was good. Um, but I had to spend holidays and weekends, evenings. Um, it wasn't something ideal. That's right. It's like a job in the media, my friend, or we work holidays. You've got to be working when the others are off. Exactly. You're in the service industry, correct? Yes. Do you think there's something in, you know how you said you had to learn their systems? Mm-hmm. You had to learn their training. Do you think there's something in the fact when corporations take people without experience it's better for them that way that they can train you their way straight off the bat instead of you trying to unfold what you've already learned somewhere else that may not be the best. I think it can work both ways. Um, somebody that has, for for example, if you're going, if you have management experience, I think the management part um, is something that can be retained from. Uh, what I would say, position to position. Mm-hmm. Um, the systems parts, I think that having somebody that has, exp- I see it both ways. Here's here's how it's going to go. You have somebody that's coming in that's got a lot of experience, right? Let's say they got 20, 30, 40 plus years in that specific industry and you're you know bringing them in. They may know some different systems or ways of doing things or be able to look at something a little bit differently that maybe their company trained them for that they can then bring into your business or your your industry that okay. could potentially help you. Right. I think it also is a double-edged sword. At that point, they may be able to bring something in, but they may have set things in their ways on how they manage somebody that you'd have to you know, come back around and say, okay, this is our way. We need you to kind of do it this way. Hmm. On the flip side, you get somebody that is not really knowing anything about the industry. They're brand new. This is their first time. You could train them to 100% 
be exactly what you need them to be. They have no preconceived notions. They have maybe no ideas of other how other things are going, procedures or procedures or processes. Um, but they could potentially have some better ideas and a different view. I think it's both ways. Okay. Does that? Did yeah, I makes that no that makes a lot of sense. Makes I a lot of sense. Both ways are have valid points. I think it does depend on you, the person who's hiring, and the the company. What are they looking for? So what happened after that chapter? Where did you go then? That chapter, I ended up at Coca-Cola Refreshments. They had a couple of, after the long stint in restaurants, I decided that working the weekends and the evenings and the holidays were just not for me. So I applied at Coca-Cola and they brought me on. Wonderful company. My husband still works there. Um, They actually, uh, from there, I started off as a district sales manager, worked my way up from account, uh, from district sales manager to area sales manager to key account executive handling some pretty high profile accounts like the the Phoenix Suns, Um, all of those types of things wrapped in. Ultimately, it did not work out as I had a very bad car accident a few years ago and I wasn't able to actually work. So. I think that door closed, and now I'm here. I'm with farmers, so. Yeah, well, we're going to. Well, you are. You're a local uh, insurance professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you focus on risk management and protection. But l- let's go back a little on this. Let's talk about Coca-Cola, one of the biggest companies in the world. One of the biggest. You must have been very excited when you joined them. I was. And your position was what, sales manager at that stage? I was. I had, um, when I first came on as a district sales manager, I had six people underneath me. Um, obviously, I'd had a lot of management experience sure. prior Out to the that. restaurant so game, yes. The restaurant game. Um, I didn't really have their type of marketing experience. Coca-Cola is a very large marketer of their product, mm-hmm. and they, they spend a lot of money every year to do market research market their products um you know they they do even do grassroots movements for some of their other brands like core power vitamin water um i have their dasani sparkling sitting on the desk right Mm. now which by the Mm -hmm. way is delicious um but that from that point on i actually moved up into an area sales manager um out here in uh, tucson arizona so i moved from illinois i started with that in illinois right and i moved out here um as an area sales manager and just kind of you know set my roots in and then I had about seven district managers underneath me and each of them had anywhere between six and seven employees underneath them. God, that sounds like a massive networking it deal. Is. It is. It's a, it? just a massive networking <laughs> deal. And then, of course, we brought New Mexico into the fold. So I got two more district managers and about 20 more wow. employees. And so was your job having to visit them all the time and stay on top of them, basically? My whole thing with an area sales manager was I was never home. I, I uh. traveled to New Mexico. I traveled up to Prescott. I traveled to Flagstaff. I traveled uh, down to Nogales, all the way over to Yuma. It was just, Constant. I was in my car and hello, windshield time, because mm-hmm. that's I had to go see everybody. The phone just does not work. You have to see how they're working, see if things are working well in their area. Do they need any additional tools? Do they need any additional training? Do they need staff? How can I help them? What are they focused on? And you would go out on calls with them, no doubt, to different clients and Absolutely. see what was going on. So that's probably numbers game with an accident. Uh, you're on the road all the time. You've gone from in a restaurant one spot, but all the time weekends, nights, never home, to now 
out and about everywhere, never home, right? Exactly. So I think I just kind of <laughs> took it. To, and when I did get home, my husband said I was like checked out because I would be working on the computer, right. trying to catch up from all of my travels. All the work I you've would, done, yeah. I would travel two to three hours one way and then have to get up there pretty early and then travel two to three hours back to the house. And then I'd work two to three hours. So I'd be in bed by That's it. 12, 31 o'clock in the morning. So what was your best, before we leave it, what was your very best experience or life lesson you think you got? Out of the time you were with Coca-Cola. Oh. Life lesson. That's a good one. I've never been asked that. Um, I would probably say, you know, if I had to do it all over again, I would have made sure that I connected more with my my team. I seem to have a lot of time on the computer with them because they were sending me all of the information. Mm-hmm. You know, my life lesson is make more of the connections, make more of, you know, meeting with the people, talking with the people versus trying to do things through the computer or through the phone. When you have somebody in front of you, mm-hmm. take the time to sit there and talk to them because half the time we'd be on our computers trying to get things done rapidly to send things in for contract negotiation or trying to figure out pricing. Try, we just really weren't engaged. And I think that's part of the, re- and that's, you know, I'd also say, you know, spend time with your family because I, that was a lot of time that I lost. That's another connection. Right. You can't get that back. So really take a look at is life work balance good for you? Yeah. Are you willing to make that sacrifice if it's not? And from that point move forward, I think just the connecting piece is what really, I, I think taught, gave me a life lesson. I needed to do more connecting. Good. That's good because a lot of people just move from one to one and don't take anything out of anything and they wonder why. You must have started then thinking and looking, well, what am I going to do? What do I want to do with the rest of my life? You looked at various options, uh, no doubt considering at this stage working for yourself. Yes. All right. And it's then that this wonderful big company in America, how, how did farmers uh, get into your way of life anyway? How were you introduced to it? So funny story. Um, I, I had just put my resume out there on Indeed, Monster, all of those big, mm-hmm. large sites. And the recruiting, um, I got a lot of calls from different corporations and, you know, Coca-Cola's competitor, <laughs> which I did not go to. Right. Um, but I got a lot of different calls, and one of them was farmers. And their, I guess, way that they do business intrigued me. Um, I had this great opportunity where I can work for myself, but I'd have a support system and a network with them. Um, insurance actually wasn't new to me. I forgot to mention that I also did do a side gig with insurance in Illinois for a long time, for mm. about uh, five years. I worked for the National Association for Self-Employed, and I did a small brokerage as well. So there's a couple of times there in the restaurant industry where I was not only working in the restaurant, but I was working as an insurance agent. Well, probably because the money wasn't that good restaurant-wise for you. The hours <laughs> were great, time, but the, yeah. not at the time, right. So that was one of those there. So insurance had been something that I was really good at. Um, I understood it. It was a numbers game for me. Um, I, I understand numbers and very mm-hmm. well. I caught on to things very quickly. So um, the district manager here in Tucson gave me a call and I went out and listened to his pitch. There was a couple of different ways that you can become an agent if anybody's interested. You can start from scratch where you have to purchase. You, you don't purchase anything. It's policy one. Um, there are agents every day that are going in and out of retirement. So right. you, know, you could always purchase a book from an agent who's retiring Well, let's, well. let's talk about that too, for those that don't understand. We talk about a book. Mm-hmm. I can purchase a book 
obviously it means the book of business. Exactly. From the client that is retiring or what, or the agent that is retiring um, or whatever. But uh, how do you judge that? Is it based on the dollar value over the years or the number of clients that that agent would have or how, how do they work it out? You know, they have their calculations on the back end, but basically it's contract value. It's based off of premium dollars. How much is their mix is personal? How much of it is commercial? How much is it is life? And then they take that value over a year and kind of go from that. Um, from that point on, the whole book of the contract from a 12-year standpoint, that's kind of what they consider contract value, plus or minus you know, half a year or a year, depending on if they're on a growth spurt or if they're on a decline spurt. Um, again, Farmers also has another options where agents had to leave. Sadly, agents do die. You know, if an agent does pass away, they well, have I a guess book. I feel human. I guess yes, they do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. We've had a few of those um, where you know now we have some. But they don't die yeah, like aliens or something. No, no, no. <laughs> they all do. But we have some what we call orphaned policies out there because now their their agents gone. Oh, and poor little things. I know. Very sad. Sniff, sniff. Now they're little orphans. Um, but that's that. There is another way to come in. You can come in and talk to the district managers about potential. Potentially, you know, a seed program, which we do, where mm -hmm. they can, you know, you're, you're working to get full commissions. There's a lot of different options. It that sounds are very good. It sounds like the company's smart enough to be broad they are uh, very in their broad. opportunity. Not uh, only that, they have a very extensive training program. I mean, they fly you out to California to look at the claims area. They walk you through how claims does things, mm -hmm. underwriting, you know, with the different roof types. For anybody that's never been in insurance, they, sure. they really mm -hmm. do walk you through. They walk you through the different roof types. Types, the different types of construction, frame, masonry, steel, you know, concrete block, um, how they view claims, how they rate claims. So how were you feeling at this stage? Were you saying, you know, scratching yeah. your head and what on earth am I doing here? Or was it, wow, this is fascinating? I say that as, wow, this is fascinating. Um, it took me a while to actually jump the gun. I had to, you know, just working for myself. That was mm -hmm. a scary move. No benefits, really no vacation time. That's right. Um, no 401ks, no, 401Ks no, medical. no medical, no nothing. You know. So it's, do I make this jump? And it wasn't a decision that I could really make by myself. It's a decision that I had to talk with the whole family. The family, right. So going into business, and I think any business owner out there would say, your first three to five years are probably your roughest. You're developing your your routine, you're developing your logo, your look, how you're going to be do business with other people. Right. You're trying to set yourself apart from so many other competitions or competitive, for my industry, insurance mm -hmm. agents that are out there. What can you do different? What can you bring to the table? Um, I felt that I could do that. I Well, I was going to ask you, what was it that, you know, made you think you would always be able to carve out a career for yourself um, being an independent insurance broker because it's not a lay down misere. There are what they call competition out there in this industry. It's exceptionally competitive. Everybody has some type. There are so many independent out there. There's there's what we don't call independent, but captive. Um, so you really have to have strong relationships. And again, it comes down to those connections. I think what really set me apart is my time with Coca-Cola. Right. Um, I had a lot of commercial clients that I had been able to meet with throughout Arizona and New Mexico for mm -hmm. um, 
well over eight years where I could say, hey, how you doing? Just at least walk in. It wasn't a cold call. They knew my face. So that I think set me apart. I wasn't just a stranger walking into these people. They'd met me. They knew my word was bond. Um, They knew if I say I was going to do something, I was going to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that probably what gave me the edge to say, you know what? Let's just do this. Let's just give it a shot. Let's just give it a shot. You right. know, well, I know. Add to that that farmers, let's face it, they're 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 very much out there. They, they do are. terrific commercials on television. They do lots of other forms of marketing, but you know, they're in the marketplace. You feel like you're in something that is acceptable already. Something yep. credible, but you did have an advantage compared to some maybe that didn't have that database of people they've worked with or people where they've been before, and uh, you had what they call that edge. Mm-hmm. So it was a good thing to do it. It was a great thing for so, you to yeah. do that. So you started. So how does one go about starting or setting up their farmer's insurance world? Oh, my goodness. Um Believe it or not, there's a lot of numbers involved. <laughs> well, does one work from home, or do you have to go out and look at a building? Um, or First off, I, I know a lot of independent agencies that do not work out of an office. Um, I personally, What we call bricks and mortar. Yeah, bricks and mortar. Okay. Um, I personally feel that you should have an office. Clients may want to come visit you. Um, you can't always go and visit at a coffee shop, or you can't always go visit at a restaurant. There are things that you have to do, such as faxing, calling, doing things. So the way I went at it is, okay, Farmers has a great template. They say, this is what we suggest that you do. And then they check it off. So Farmers provided me the advertising, provided me the signage, provided me everything. I just had to find a location, get it approved, which I did. I also felt very strongly that I could not do this by myself as a startup. So from day one, I hired a staff, which... I can tell you most insurance agents as they start up do not. Well, I probably would not be thinking that's overhead straight away. <laughs> that's a gutsy move. It is. It is a gutsy move, but I can tell you it's paid off at least threefold. Anybody that's out there that does not have staff, mm-hmm. you cannot grow your business without having staff because you are stuck in the office servicing those policies. You're stuck right. in the office answering those phones. You're stuck in you're stuck. You are you are attached to your phone and all you're doing is you're fielding calls. You have very little time to actually sit up go out there and market yourself. Go out there and say, Hey, I'd like <laughs> to earn your business today. I know you're with so and so. Can I look over your policies? Hi, I'm doing a podcast. I'd like to have you come on my show. You know, you can't do that. Unless you have somebody back at the office that you know that can take care of your, your covering business. the forward, so you must have allowed basically a budget. I did. You had worked, uh, you know, pretty solidly. You put some pennies away. I did. And uh, but I still think it's a marvelous gutsy move to be able to see your real business. I mean, here we are. Did you take over a book or start fresh? Both. So I took oh. over a partial a partial book, which okay. gave me, I think, a little bit of a, an edge for me to be able to hire somebody. Right. Because I knew I was going to have a certain amount of income come in for me. Mm. So at that point, I knew I could afford somebody at a certain amount of pay. And I think that the important thing with my staff is I was very upfront at the very beginning. I, I basically said, I'm starting out fresh. You're going to have to work with me. I want to. Prov- I want somebody that's going to grow with me, that's willing to grow this industry with me. And they're going to have to be okay with me not being in the office hardly at all. Mm-hmm. There, You're going to have to understand that there's no nights or weekends usually involved with this business, but there's an occasional 
occasional event that we may have to do together. Sure, after hours. Absolutely. Right. Um, and just set that expectation. I, I couldn't pay her a lot moving forward, but, you know, since we've been growing, we've been she's been seeing some steady increases. Um, that and the fact that she knew nothing about insurance when I hired her. It took, well, you had to train her too then. I, it took nine months of training. Nine months, but she got it. She, I call her my little mini-me, but she, right. she's wonderful. Brittany's great. Um, and I really couldn't be where I'm at without her. And I just thank the gods that she's here. I think she's here to stay. She's stuck with me now for almost four years. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> so hopefully she continues to see the improvement, seeing what we're doing. And uh, she gets just as thrilled as I do when we get somebody that we've been working on for two years come over finally. Right. And these large commercial clients can take two years you know it, it takes a lot it takes a bit of time to it build doesn't them, it you have to show them that you know what you're doing and um i do i i read all of our policies so i know them inside and out that's something that's important that's good that's good uh i think you really do have to know your business don't you you do and there's a because lot. it's all about caring about people and really matching up isn't it? what's best for them exactly right one book doesn't cover all sort of thing Nope. I, I, I think my worst term, and I'm just going to say this, is somebody comes over to me and they say, I have full coverage. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> I have full coverage. I'm like, what does full coverage mean to you? Because <laughs> right. for you, it might mean one thing. And then for somebody else, it might mean something else. And the broad term when some like the what they call like the electronic agency like insurance out there that have no agents they're like you're fully covered so that's what they're used to seeing is you're fully covered right and what that means is you basically just have coverage for somebody else if you should be the one at fault in the accident you have coverage for yourself if somebody is and you have coverage for your vehicle mm-hmm. it doesn't include but for others like for me it can include things like medical payments are included in there accident forgiveness is included in there towing and rental rental reimbursement mm-hmm. um you know well, I was going to say, I mean, what, what types of services and products do you offer? Is there a, a massive range that you can or or is there today? With today's market, is there any calling for certain things or is it more than you that? You can insure quite, quite well, pretty much anything. <laughs> I, th- I can't remember, right? The famous dance, Tina Turner insured her legs for like a million dollars. Right. Or yeah. Well, so did Cherise, but uh, you know, yeah, there you they go. were dancers. They, they were dancers. So you can you can insure anything. Not that I insure legs, so please don't call me <laughs> if you want to insure your legs. But for anything from home, auto, life, um, rental. Um, we do, we specialize in specialty things such as ATVs, boats, golf carts, motorhomes, um, you know, the mobile home. Uh, areas, the manufactured homes. We are one of the few companies that can, mm. you know, insure with manufactured mobile homes. Um, not everyone can do that. They don't usually no. have a sister company that can. Um, from, I think I said life. Yes, we do. Uh, I'm, I do financial services as well, but that's a completely different ball game. Um, but really commercial insurance from any industry. You can right. have from a landscaper to a lawyer, from... Uh, someone who's a real estate agent that does property management to a commercial developer that does, you know, needs builder's risk. They're, right, they just right. started everything What, what about doctors and specialists and MD, you know? 
So doctors and specialists have lots of insurance from <laughs> yeah. their their actual business practice to a workman's comp if they have employees to um, professional liability, you know, in case some, they provide bad advice to someone and they come back and sue them, that's professional or what's called errors and omission. Um, you know, they have all of those different types of insurance that they could be insured for. You're listening to Jamie Overturf on Tucson Business Radio. Now, let me ask you this. What would you say is unique about your business? Unique about my business, um, the fact that we do offer a lot of different products. We don't have a cookie cutter approach to um, what your needs are. So that's unique about my business. I can pretty much tailor a policy to anything that's there. Unique about me specifically is I take the time to get to know my clients Um I do not just want to have a relationship with you over the phone. I like to meet all of my clients at some point in time face-to-face. That could be, okay, let's go have a cup of coffee. I'm going to be up near you. Let's just chit-chat about your kids. Um, Or I guess come on my show, yeah. Come on your show, uh, anything of that nature. I think the real connections, getting to learn about what your clients do, who they are, a little bit about their family. That's how I become their risk manager, not their insurance agent. Right. Because at that point, once I can sit down and have a honest to goodness conversation with you and talk to you about what you are currently doing and what you currently have, even if it's not with me, I can say, okay, it looks to me that you have a very well-rounded portfolio. We don't have too much risk, but what about, you know, your life insurance? I don't know how much you currently have. Do you have that through work? Is it enough? If you Mm-hmm. should have an untimely incident and not come home to your wife and kids tomorrow. Are they going to be able to take care of, you know, are you going to be able to take care of their college education like you wanted to? Um, and those are the types of questions, even if they're not with me, they may have a policy out there. They're right. like, oh yeah, I got this. I'm like, okay, then let's mark that down. You yeah, don't need let's that. Yeah, do it. See, you take genuine care about your clients and you get to know them, their family, their lifestyle, them, probably go to some of their functions, do you? I did. I just went to one Birthday parties and things. <laughs> See, that's a, that's a nice job if one well you work for yourself but it's you know better than just over broke isn't it it is i i have to say i work just as hard as for myself than i did when i worked for somebody else right i find so many people that come into this industry and it kind of shocks me that they worked harder for somebody else than they're working for themselves because now they have a little bit of freedom they're like oh okay i don't Mm -hmm. don't have to work nights i don't have to work weekends i don't have to do that if i don't want to but if you keep saying i don't have to work that i don't have to work that you're suddenly going to see things on the decline versus on the incline. So I think it's it's a double-edged sword. You have to keep fresh. You have to keep that fresh perspective. And you do have to have a Brittany like I do to keep you in check to say, okay, you weren't in the office four days last week. I need you to come in to do all this paperwork. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, it's uh, 40 lashes with a wet noodle. That's exactly it. Jamie, what is the most common misconception about your industry that you would say? I think the common misconception is that there is a, you know, like all insurance carriers are the same and that they all offer the same coverages. And in essence, they do. Um, But what really makes it different is the agent themselves. Um, The misconception is that an agent having some having an agent is going to cost you to have a more expensive policy. Um, in my instance, I find that it's really not that much more expensive. Uh, specifically, you then have somebody that you can call and say, hey, 
I just had this happen to my home. And in fact, this just happened. I'm not going to name a name, but you know them. They called. (laughs) (laughs) You do. Mm -hmm. They gave me a call over the weekend on a Saturday and said, hey, my uh, ceiling kind of fell through. I don't insure them, by the way. But my my ceiling came through. They had a storm up in Pine Top, and their ceiling kind of tore down. They said, I, I, I need to go ahead and, you know, how do what do I do? I'm like, well, first off, you need to find out if it was due to a storm or not, because if it's mm-hmm. not apparel, it's not going to be covered by any insurance company. You know, if it was a slow leak and it just kind of came down. Um, I said, so get somebody out there to get you a free estimate and tell you what the damage was and what was going on. From that point, then you call the insurance agency because here's the caveat with homes. And I'm going to give everybody a quick, free piece of advice. Good. Appreciate that. The moment that. that you call an insurance company, not the agent, the insurance company to say, I have damage to my home. Um, this is what's happened. What do I do? They're going to file that claim, whether you want to or not. And then at that point, even if they don't pay out, that's a claim against your home moving forward you're rated on. And then when you try to search, you now have other companies that are saying, oh, well, there was a claim on your home. Technically, you had damage on your home. You informed an insurance company that you did have damage on your home. But, you know, if it's only a couple hundred dollars of damage, why would you try to... That's a big negative, isn't it? That's it, not good. In the world of real estate, right, and resales yeah. and people trying to get the best that they can, exactly. that's a little unfair, don't you think? Well, not really, because you have, I mean, you did have damage done to your home, and you are insur- you are letting somebody know that, hey, I had damage done to my home, and it, even if it was insignificant, they still count that as there was damage done to the home. Your water, your water heater could have, you know exploded and just mm-hmm. did some drywall mm-hmm. work that might have cost $400. Your deductible may be 500 or 1000 okay, right. At that point, you're not... You, I, I, as, I just thought because the money yeah. might have been small, it might have only been damage of maybe 100 bucks. It could be, you know, maybe uh, precluded that it was, well, no, they, they are damaged to that home and one could conjure up $1,000, $2,000 worth of damage. You know? They could if they wanted. Um, that's why I always say to get some free... Um, Get a free advisor, get a free assessment, have somebody come out there and take a look at it. Good advice. But at that point, when I have somebody do that for free and the their deductible is $1,000 and they say it's going to cost $750 to replace this, right. my advice is I don't want to call in this claim because you're still going to have to pay everything out of pocket and then next year you're going to be rated on a claim. So... Is that good advice or bad advice? I don't know. I think it's you know letting my my people know that you can file this claim, but it's gonna you're not gonna get anything out of it. You're is still it gonna is be it totally out. legal? What you what you offering? Yeah, it is. I'm it's just a better of choice. It's just a better of choice. The difference is is you talked to your agent versus calling the eight hundred number. You know that doesn't right. have the agent, right. and you've said that now they've entered into the computer, and that's a claim, regardless of whether or not they pay out or not. Right? Okay. Wow. Wow. Boy, have I learned something there. The other thing I'd like to know is, um, you do golf carts. Do you insure golf carts? Do you? I do. I insure golf carts. I insure ATVs. I insure razors. All those little fun to- jet skis. Although I don't know there's many jet skis here. But <laughs> I better I tell my wife then that this is good. Good news. Okay. So Farmers does do golf carts. Um, let me ask you this. I mean, is, is your, your, you've got a family. You've got the time. Have you got the time doing this career as much as you thought you'd have? Yes. Now it's starting to the first. How many years have you been in now? Uh, this will be my fourth year with farmers. Wow. Hasn't that gone quickly? It has. The first three years I, I had to put in a lot of work, a lot of nights, a lot of nights lot and, of and weekends. even weekends. Yes. Mm. Um, now it's to the point where I may have to go. I, I, 
if I want to go to a client meeting on the weekend, I can, which I did this weekend. It was a couple hours and then I got to come back home. Um, the first three years, it was early mornings, late nights, all the weekends. And was there ever a time during that three years, in all honesty, that just maybe, uh, I, I don't know if I want to keep this up or, you know, the temptation there was to maybe throw it in. Uh, multiple times. And I All think, they was. <laughs> I, I think at some point every business owner goes, what did I do? <laughs> but See, this is one of the things, ladies and gentlemen, I love about it. She's honest, you know? <laughs> that is one thing where it's... Yeah. I, I tell all my clients, you may not like what I have to say, but I'm going to tell you the truth regardless on what that is. Um, I think it just comes down to the point where I said, you know, I think it was more of the what I needed to do as a business owner. I knew the insurance piece. No one really showed me how to run my own business. So I was kind of out there trying to figure out all of like the tax implications, what I needed to do, what kind of licenses I needed to have for my building. Um you know, there's a backup water thing that I had to check out. I didn't know. Right. Um, so there's just so many portions as the business side. Um, I knew how to do a P&L from running my restaurants. I knew how to run my labor. I knew how to budget. I know how to do right. all of that. Very it was just good. actually starting up the business mm -hmm. where I was like, oh, my goodness, what am I doing? <laughs> do you think uh, in the future the way the world has become with reliable on internet technology and artificial intelligence and all of this type of thing, do you think it's a career that cannot be replaced? by robots or just phone calls or computers will there always be the agent in the field do you do you feel you know I've had that question asked a lot and there are some companies that are out there that are have absolutely no agents as we know and then there are some that are coming out with pay as you go um, at this point I think I don't feel personally that the agent can be replaced, especially if somebody is looking to have a good customer service experience. I think that's going to be hard. Um, and just calling up to ask those questions, like I said, they're going to be logging those as claims or logging those as you right. know, incidents that are there to count against them. They're going to see the negative impacts of that. Um, having the agent just to say, okay, what happens if I do this? Just say, okay, let me mock that up for you. There you are. I think that's important. Um, but there are some companies that are out there right now, say, plug this in your car, let me learn your driving habits, and that's mm -hmm. going to be your premium for the month. Okay, that's great. You saw them for a great month. When somebody knows that something is plugged into their car, sure. they're usually going to be driving on their best behavior. I do. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, it could come a time where, you know, that that takes over, but I still think there's going to have to be at least some personal touch out there, a touch point for the clients to be able to talk to. I think I agree with you because you cannot replace this uh, human connection. I, I think that's the all caring, that. the genuinity. Um, you know, the the social selling, as it's called today, is very uh, important. It's Especially very critical. Especially with the commercial, I think there are so many different types of commercial policies that are out there, and business owners don't understand. I, I think a lot of the business owners just see this. 300 stack page of paper that comes to them that is their policy aye, 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 and they're aye. like okay <laughs> i don't know what i just agreed to but okay i know i've got insurance and right that's when i come in and i walk them through oh you don't need that coverage but you need this one we need to you know flip it well you know um there was a time when and, and although more so today i would believe that people are very uh, keen to even 
want to protect their family and themselves more than they used to be. From a point of view of, there's the insurance agent I told you about, so they would run the other side of the road. You know what I mean? Right. Um, scared stiff to be pitched on insurance. Now, it's a funny thing because it's ridiculous, in fact, when you think about it, because if you don't have insurance, you, you run the risk, don't you? You absolutely run the risk today. Mm-hmm. I, what about health? I would imagine that would be huge. Health insurance is huge. I do not dabble in health insurance myself. At all. At all. I have health insurance is what, and here's my honest truth. I know health insurance. I know access. I know all of the things that are out there. I do Medicare. Medicare is a specific part of health insurance. So it's not something where I'm going out and offering it to the network that's out there. Um, and I offer this to all of my clients. If you are on Medicare and you have a question, let me know. I'll be able to answer that question for you. If you are searching for health insurance and not over the ages of 65, there are just so many things that are out there that I feel you would be better served having a specialized health insurance agent talk to you. Right. Um, I do not have the time nor the inclination to try to not only do my financial services, my home, auto life, commercial, all of that on top of that with my Medicare and try to do health. I don't think I would be doing my clients a service trying to do that. No, no. Well, when you're very honest, Jamie, there's no doubt about it. It's a, it's a bone of contention though for a lot of people, you know, and, and I tell you, uh, it's expensive in this country. Boy, is it expensive. As a business owner, I can tell you, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> the business itself, is there anything else you had to learn that you hadn't had experience in? Because you're one out of the box. I mean, you've done more in your lifetime and knowledge of business and working than, you know, maybe 50 people would ever do. Was there anything you weren't prepared for in this game? I think, honestly, the, the thing I wasn't prepared for is when I started my own business, all of the different things that came with that the rules the regulations the um, licenses that you had to put in that was a completely new system for me when I started training for Applebee's they already had everything in place they had the brick and mortar done they had the lease agreement done they had all of the taxes done they had their EIN done they set up their LLC they already you know they already had all of that right I had never had to do that and I think that was the hardest thing for me so the restaurant game is really walk in there it is yep. do, do the work Yep. But in this game, you had to do uh, exams. I had to do exams. You had to get licenses I again. Get I have to do continuing education every year. So I have to, uh, with Medicare, I have to recertify with every single health carrier that I do every wow. single year. Um, and for insurance and financial uh, services, every three years, you have to uh, attain a certain number of credit levels. Um, in order to uh, mm-hmm. continue on with your license, and then you don't. Right. If you don't, then. And I no think that's a. I think it's a little sad when people don't realize the extra effort that you've got to put in to your career to service them. Yes. To stay ahead of the game. I do stay ahead of the game and just keep um, knowledgeable. A lot of. So many things are changing these days, especially with Medicare, um, especially with the health insurance. Even our home, auto, and life insurance coverages are changing. I mean, we just had, what was this? There was a endorsement change on our commercial policies talking about drone coverage, if you use drones. <laughs> it's like, oh, my goodness. Okay, right. I had to write that down. Okay. So things just keep changing. If you haven't looked at your policy in 15, 20-some-odd years, right. your home insurance 
policy back then is going to be different than what you may need now. 20 years ago, we didn't even have cell phones. Do you think it's changing with insurance companies now with all the disasters that we're having? Uh, weather-wise and God knows what, do you think there's going to be a ceiling put on things? I don't know if there'll be a ceiling, but I can tell you that these natural disasters, specifically with home, auto, life insurance, and everything that you see out there in the personal lines, even the commercial lines, um, the payouts that these insurance companies have to make, there have to be concessions elsewhere. And I know it frustrates insurance to hear that, yeah, there's been a lot of natural disasters. Think of the fires over in California, the flooding that was... Yep. Um, every day, it every seems day. like something, doesn't something it? Something that's new. And yes, the insurance companies are paying out. You want to make sure you're paired with a reputable insurance company that will not go insolvent. How do you know that? Yeah, uh, well... You, you go can, for the big brands, right? Well, you, you can think? go for the big brands, or you could do your own research. There are some several independents that are out there. Um, there were several companies in California that did go insolvent, though, from the fires. Right. Um, so yeah. that is, you know, it's a sad thing. Um, when we don't take in enough premiums to cover the claims that are coming out there, that's a that's a sad day. So, yes, rate increases are not fun, mm-hmm. but we have... You want to make sure that if you have a claim and it's a set, a large claim that the insurance company is able to pay out for you. My word, you do. In the closing minutes that we've got left, Jamie, I'd like to ask you two questions. The first one is this. What's been, if there's been one at all, what's been your biggest failure, do you think, in your working career to date? I don't consider anything that I've done a failure. Um, I've they're life lessons and learning lessons mm-hmm. that I might okay. have learned from, but they're not failures. If I looked at them as failures, I think that I would just be defeated. I've I've been told no so many times. I've been I've had glo- doors closed in my face. Um, I've been hung up on. I've been screamed at. It's just one of those where the gamut comes and. You know what? You have to take a look at it. Okay, what do I learn from this? All right, maybe I do this differently next time. Right. And then you change your you change your approach. You take it as okay, I messed up on this one. Let's go to this one and let's figure out how I can make it happen and go for it. Um, I don't really consider a failure um, on anything on any account. Well, that's very good. And if you had one piece of advice to someone starting out today, mm-hmm. what would that be? In their own business. Any business. Just like you did in any business, you know, what would be the one piece of advice, the biggest thing that you'd sit down over a cup of coffee with them maybe and share? Oh, I don't know if there's just one. There might be three or four, but if I had to say something, have a plan. Um, Don't go into it blindly. Know, you know, talk to somebody that's in that industry. Ask them how they started Use that and then get the plan yourself. So in other words, if you're planning on going in the insurance agency, you know, you should go talk to an insurance agent. What, where do I start? You know, how do I do this? Listen to what they have to say. Have your plan. Have a budget. Work from that. And, you know, don't hesitate to ask questions. That's pretty much it. I, having a plan really does help. And I think that's part of what ha- I had my first, I had my five-year budget. I budgeted it out for five years. I knew what I need to make each month. I knew what I needed to do. I knew how I needed to make it. I have goals. We have a nice little whiteboard. Brittany knows her <laughs> goals. I know my goals. And we have to achieve those in order to stay in business. Um, but have a plan of attack how you're going to do that. And if you don't know, you need to ask. You can't know. I don't know it all yet. But there are some things out there that I'm learning every day. And I, I'll sit there and I'll ask my colleagues, how do I do this? 
and they'll respond back to me. That's the nice thing. So have that network and just work the plan. Jamie Overturf is the local insurance professional here in Tucson who focuses on risk management and protection in her own farmer's agency. You can be reached by, I know you have uh, your website, but share with us your other social media links that people can find you at. So I am on Facebook, so you can, uh, Jamie Overturf, Farmers Insurance, um, go from that one. You'll be able to find me. You can like my page, and if you do that, you'll be able to see my podcasts. Yay. Um, I also can be reached via phone, which is, you know, 520-293-2900, or my email address, which is jovertorf at farmersagent.com. Um, I do not do Twitter. I'm not a tweeter. <laughs> I do not tweet. Tweet, tweet. Um, I do. <laughs> so there is that. And then obviously I have my website. It's Jamie Insurance, uh, Jamie Overturf, um, J Overturf at Farmers Insurance. So search that on the web. And of course, if you'd love to share this uh, episode, by all means do so. Uh, you can listen to it again through um, Business Radio X at any time. It's there forever. Uh, you can have a good look at it with her photograph and bio on uh, on our network on Business Radio X. And of course, her uh, her website alone as you place that. And it's very interesting how you share your show with your uh, with various people and your clients. And they're interested, aren't they? It's they are in- interested. It's, it's something that's out there. I, I think more people are, oh, okay, I can get... I can I can get to learn about that business, or you can have me on your show. Okay, let's do this. There we go. Try to catch the next one if you can. It's called Connecting Tucson with Jamie. Jamie Averdeff. On the Business Radio Network, that was our special guest for today, Connecting Tucson with Jamie. Thank you for listening. <laughs>